Hi, welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest today is Siobhan Daniels, a retired BBC journalist and pro-age campaigner, part of the Retirement Rebellion. Just under two years ago, she decided she was going to travel around in her trusty motor home. So she's going to tell us a bit more about that and the book that she's writing called Ageless, Fearless Women. You can do it too. Welcome, Siobhan. Thanks very much for having me as a guest. I'm very honoured. You've had a busy day. Today's adventure has been climbing Glastonbury Tor. <laughs> Is that a fairly sort of standard day for, for you? It is, actually. I, I, find I go between the two. Sometimes I just have a complete slob day where I do nothing and I just catch up on, on, on sort of reading or writing or watching crap on my, my um, laptop. Um, or films and things and then other days I just go bonkers and and have adventures and do long (laughs) walks and bicycle rides today it was raining like mad but I thought I'm just not going to be put off by the rain so I've got all my waterproofs on got the bike out pedaled to Glastonbury Tor and then I found some builders who were working on a house and I said can you do me a favor will you look after my bike for me while I climb the tour and then when I got to the top I thought oh is that a bit stupid because it's an electric bike I don't know them from Adam and then I thought, no, part of this is just trusting people and trusting in, in good Trust nature. Trust the universe. Yeah, and they did. They looked after it. I got to the top, still alive. Oh, <laughs> I'd recommend it to anyone. It's beautiful up there. I've never been to Glastonbury, to the festival or to Glastonbury. So that's, oh! that's, on, my, that's on my list. Oh, when we're allowed to, to go festival, to festivals again. I, I, <laughs> I went to the festival in my 50s with three other women. And we called ourselves the menopausal mermaids. And we had amazing glittery outfits all to dress up every day. And we just had a ball. It was brilliant. <sighs> Love it. It sounds amazing. So as somebody who's, uh, whose two parents in their 70s are living a very traditional retirement life, mm. I'm very curious, what, what made you decide to go for, for what many people would see as quite a, a, a radical retirement? Yeah, I'm a retirement rebellion. I think there's a mixture of loads of things that happened to me in predominantly in my 50s, going through the menopause and being bullied at work and feeling um, marginalised at work and, and feeling there was ageism at play, whether my bosses would agree with that or not. But that's how I felt mm. and how I felt I was made to feel in the workplace. So I was becoming despondent about life. I was hearing people having discussions in the newsroom about ageism and about being old. And they'd talk about people over 50. And it was almost very dismissive tones and dismissive narratives. And I didn't like it. And just before I was 50, my daughter went to university and I took a gap year from work. And I went around the world solo with a a rucksack. And I had an amazing time and felt completely ageless. But that's put seeds in my mind that this was the kind of life that I wanted to live so a mixture of that knowing I wanted to travel when I retired and feeling more and more angry about ageism and the narratives around getting old and the the Mm. dismissiveness of people and the way people are treated in the workplace and the men with the menopause I decided that um, when I retired I was going to buy a motorhome and travel around and champion pro-aging and challenge ageist stereotypes what people thought retired pensioners did and and so basically that's what I do that's what I'm doing and I'm thoroughly enjoying doing it so one of the important questions is I want to know does your motorhome have a have a name <laughs> yeah it's, it's Dora the Explorer I had to name her and she just felt right and because I've got dark hair and I put it in a ponytail 
and my little blue um, <laughs> coats and my rucksack on my back. A lot of my friends used to call me Dora the Explorer when I was walk, going out for walks and things. So it just fitted really when I bought it. And, and she feels like a Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Fantastic. How, how big is, is your motorhome? I mean, it's, it's you sort of you're traveling alone, but is it is it pretty spacious? Does it when I was choosing, when I first went to look for them, I hadn't a clue what I wanted or what I needed with a motorhome, to be honest. But I did know at the same time as deciding to retire and buy my motorhome, I was becoming disenchanted that everybody was seemed to be going out and working long hours to buy lots mm. of stuff and spending loads of money and buying stuff they didn't need. And I was as guilty, you know, of that. And so one of the things I wanted to do was to really downsize, get rid of all my possessions. I've got a few stored with my sister-in-law in, in her garage, thankfully, but I got rid of most of my possessions and decided that I could live with very little and still be happy. And so when I was choosing my motorhome, I wanted to make sure that I could still have a few ornaments around and a few books, but the comforts of I've got a shower, um, I've got central heating, I've got fridge freezer, I've got an oven and a grill. I've got it's it's like a tiny little bed set on wheels, and the front two seats turn round like armchairs. Um, so it's really cozy, and I'm proving two years on, I don't have very much. I don't have very many clothes and things like that, but I can still get dressed up when if I meet up with friends and still have a good time. And I'm happy. I haven't got all that clutter, and I can actually find things. When I was in my flat and I had all my stuff. I could never find what I wanted till about three weeks after I'd needed it. So when you were going through that sort of process of becoming a hardcore minimalist and getting rid of a lot of that stuff, what was hardest to to say goodbye to? What did you find hardest to? At the time, I didn't find it hard to say goodbye to anything, really, because I just found I was getting rid of the shackles. It was just, it was so liberating. And a couple of paintings and things that I've got that I really want to look after, I've given to friends who've hung them in their houses other than that I I didn't bother it's just every now and then I'll get a little pang now about Mm. something or a specific thing I'll think oh oh and I think come on Siobhan it's just stuff you don't need it it's probably gone to a good home now and and in fact it was funny my daughter and I used to walk up and down Tunbridge Wells and you could see my last few weeks uh, things of mine in the windows in the charity shops that I'd taken (laughs) it's not too late (laughs) (laughs) That's how it felt at times, honestly. But I found it liberating and I love the fact that that I can survive with so little. And I've got bits and bats. I've got a few little luxuries. I've got an area that I call my gin bar and I've got an area that's my library and I've got some jigsaws and different things. So and now I'm quite happy in it and with what I've got. And obviously a big chunk of that almost two years has overlapped with the global pandemic. Oh, what what's been the hardest part of that for you is it sort of intensified isolation well it's funny really about the pandemic because when I started doing this I wrote in brackets underneath my blog that I've got shabonshavoff.blogspot.com and in brackets I wrote what's the worst that could happen (laughs) and of course since I set off and the universe said, <laughs> hold my beer. Worst storms they've ever had. Last February, they had the worst rainfall they've ever had since they started recording it. And then they've had a blooming pandemic. So the first lockdown, I headed back down from Scotland. I was up in Scotland and I, I gathered what the writing on the wall was going to be. So I headed down towards Lancaster to be near one of my sisters. And I didn't know that part of the country 
and I can tell you Morecambe and all around Lancaster, it is so beautiful. I absolutely loved it. So I was stuck in a field for four months with another couple who just happened to arrive from New Zealand the day before, got their motorhome, swung outside here, fortunately, and bought all bits and bats and stuff they needed. So the three of us were stuck in two motorhomes in this field for four months. So we went. So you you bonded. You fully bonded. (laughs) At a a safe COVID distance, we bonded. (laughs) But we went on loads of cycle rides and walks, and it it was just brilliant. And when it was VE day, we decorated our motorhomes at a distance and and bottles of champagne and things. It was great. It was really good. But the second lockdown, that hit me hard. Um, because the first one was summer and it was sunny and it was nice and outdoorsy. The second one starting in November, it's really hard being in a motorhome when the sun sets at 20 to 4. Before I could go down for a walk and I'd go to a little cafe or the pub and get talking to locals and find out about the history. But of course, I couldn't go out and mix with anybody. So I was literally in a field on my own for five months. And the people who own the field, they used to do an online shop. So they would I'd message them what I needed from Mazda. They'd order it, text me, say, your order's here, leave the bags outside, and I'd transfer money on my phone. So I didn't even go shopping or anything, really. So quite a monastic existence. It was. And I always said I could do with my own company and I don't get lonely and it's fine. But I think the darkness and everything, I did go into a dark place and I I didn't realise until I've come out of lockdown how bad it actually was but I went into a dark place and I had to really dig deep to find a strength and then I thought my daughter was going to come and join me at Christmas so all my energies and and excitement went into that that she was going to come and I decorated the motorhome and bought loads of things then of course Boris announced that that couldn't happen overnight so she couldn't come and I remember sobbing for a day really really sobbing just I think everything came out and I I was on BBC Radio Kent being interviewed because they re- they interview me regularly. And I said, do you know what? I'm actually considering giving this up. I'm thinking, what am really? I doing? Yeah. I'm sitting yeah. in a field. That in the, the, low, the low point, the real yeah, low point. Beautiful, beautiful place. Blakeney in Norfolk. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. Again, loads of walks and cycle rides and going to the sea. But you can only do so much of that. And I'm a very much a people person. So I was just missing people. And then I thought, do you know what? If I can't go out to people, bring people to me. So then I started doing Instagram live interviews once a week with different women. And I did my first one with Joe Mosley, who's a paddleboarder, a fantastic lady from Yorkshire who paddleboarded the Leeds Liverpool Canal. And I've got, I spoke to a woman in um, America who set up an advertising agency for 50 year old plus women and, you know, lots of interesting characters. And that buoyed me again. Um, I just had to rethink and reevaluate what was important and what I was doing. And then the snow came and I enjoyed all that, the snow and the romance, even though my pipes froze. And I had to <laughs> literally go out and collect snow and melt it to make myself drinks and and boil it so that I could have a wash down. Um, I had that for four days. I felt a bit like Bear Grylls. <laughs> you weren't out there eat, eating rats or anything. Didn't oh, quite God, get no. to that point. <laughs> but I, I did find it challenging. And it's only now that I'm having my adventures again and I'm feeling that buzzy feeling and the happiness that I realise actually, yes, I was probably a little bit depressed at times, actually, but I didn't realise mm. it. Do you have a plan for how long, you know, this this adventure is going to continue is it will it will it basically just it'll be as long as it'll be or you how, just how... Said that word that confuses me 
plan. My plan <laughs> is to have no plan and to go with the flow. And literally, I know where I'm staying um, for the next five nights. And then I don't know. I was I was sat um, this evening uh, looking at the map thinking, OK, where am I going to go next? And I think I'm probably going to head. I'm, I'm going to Bristol area and I'm paddleboarding on Friday morning fantastic I'm very envious that's on on my list of things to learn how to do this year as well that's because I I interviewed Jo and she's inspired me so I want to learn to paddleboard because ultimately I'd love to to go paddleboarding with her and I don't want to show myself up and so (laughs) I've met this fabulous group of people oh that's what I was going to say during the second lockdown I got to know a group of people called the Yes Tribe um, if anybody Googles them, you'll find that they've got a Facebook page, but they're an amazing group of people all over the country, all over the world who support each other to just say yes to adventures, no matter how big or how wow. small. Sounds but they amazing. do a coffee morning at 10 o'clock every day on Zoom and you, anybody can join and they're so supportive and welcoming. And so I Love joined it. that in December. And so all through lockdown, I had that to look forward to. And they were fabulous. And when I had bad days, I could tell them I was having a bad day. And they were so, so supportive. And since lockdown's finished, I've met few people. I've been swimming, done while swimming in the sea with one lady. Um, and I've been, um, I'm going paddleboarding with another lady. I only know her through the Zooms, but I'm going to meet up with her in person on Friday and go paddleboarding. So it's exciting. That sounds incredible. And and have you, yeah, so how, how are you finding places to stay? Because you're not always necessarily on a campsite. I think you were helping on a farm recently. How, right. how do you sort of find those connections? And I only left the farm yesterday and you know what? I'm missing it so much. Jan, the woman who owned it, is just the most amazing character. She's a friend for life. And I'm going to go back there in November for a month to work in the wintertime to see what it's really like when the weather's <laughs> bad. See if I've, I've really got what it what it's made for being a farmer. But I loved it, really loved it. It was a great experience. And I did that on a whim. I just, something popped up on my Facebook saying volunteering work for, a, for somewhere to pitch up your motorhome. And I just said, I like the look of it. And so I contacted her and, and I'd no idea really where I was going, what I was going to be doing or what she'd be like. And I said, I'll go for a couple of weeks. And she said, that's great. And then when I got there, we hit it off and I decided to stay five weeks. But that's <laughs> I just look at the map. I sort of randomly choose a place or uh, the Mendip Hills. I want to go to Cheddar Gorge. So when I've been to Brighton, uh, to Bristol, I'm now looking around the Cheddar Gorge area and I just Google um, CL sites near the Cheddar Gorge and then I will find one, just choose one at random. I email them and see if they've got spaces. What's CL? Oh, uh, Certified Location. I'm a member of um, the Caravan and Camping Uh... Club and the the Motorhome Club. Both of them. The Motorhome Club's got, I think they're Certified Locations and the Caravan and Camping Club is Certified Sites. But they're, they're little fields where they only have five, a maximum of five people. But the, the camping one has tents as well. But the motorhome one, you've the maximum of five motorhomes. So it's really nice. It's usually somewhere quirky and rural. and, and... Oh, that's OK. That's really interesting. So they're not really what you would call sort of a proper campsite. And it's not quite wild camping. It's sort of somewhere in between very basic Facilities yeah, I'm and... wild camping, but I just think that's a risk too far. Being on my own, a woman on my own, I'm not. I don't want to do that. So, it, but often when it gets later in the year, I'm in the field on my own, or maybe there's one or two other vehicles there. There's not many today. There's one, two. There's three of us in this field now, 
But then the weekends, they tend to get filled up. But I don't go to or try to stay away from the touristy places like Devon and Cornwall and Wales things during mm. all the summer times when it's busy. I like to go in October, November times. when. Yeah, I was just joking with some friends uh, last week, actually, that... Uh, I think we're going to Wales in the summer and sort of with 30% of the the rest of the UK and yeah. another lot where the rest mm. will be in Devon and Cornwall. So yeah, it's, uh, but then there, there's so many other places, incredible places for me, so many places in the UK that, that I've never been to. That Well, this is why my whole adventure is centred on Great Britain because there are so many places and I've, I've, mm. I've been up to Scotland and I've, I'm doing lots of places around Britain, um, England. I need to do Wales next, but like I say, it's a bit full at the moment. I'm waiting for some people to come back into England. <laughs> yeah. And I want to do Ireland. I'm so looking forward to doing that. I want to do two or three months. So I suppose the answer to your question the initially was um, about the length of time that I'm going to be doing this. Is that <laughs> Did I you run out of amazing it. places? <laughs> I think I can, honestly, I intended to do it for a year and then and write my book and that was going to be, but actually I'm thoroughly enjoying it now. I'm back and doing my adventures and moving about again. This is what I wanted to do. So, you know, I was in the um, Sunday Telegraph paper only the other week about being part of the retirement rebellion. And, and there is a, a strong momentum building of people embracing positive aging and pro-aging and we don't want anti-aging things because from the day we're born we're all aging so we don't want anti-aging creams and anti this and we want things that'll enhance aging and let us age the best way that we possibly can and have the best life that we possibly can because we've only got one shot at this you know exactly and yeah not not ready to just uh say goodbye to the office, pick up the Sudoku and and uh, no. <laughs> stick the TV on for another 20 years or 30 years. And all years. the while, oh. I feel fit enough to do it. I'm going to do it. But I can, I mean, my body's creaky all now. I have aches and pains. and But I force myself to sort of try and stretch, keep going, you know, push myself, go cycling. And hopefully I'll age, you know, as best I can. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the book. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, the book, what I'm writing about, really, it's predominantly about me and my adventures and my my life, how I've overcome various things in my life and how I've broken down challenges to be able to attain them from the very first time when I was in my teens, when a boyfriend at the time, I was waiting to start my general nursing and he said to me, come back to Sicily with me. And I didn't even know where Sicily was on the map. I didn't speak Italian. I didn't really have any money, but I had six months to fill. And I said, yeah, okay. And that was the first time I'd said yes to a big adventure. But through that, I've got lifelong friends. I speak fluent Italian. And so good things came from that. And again, going around the world. And since I've been 50, I've run two marathons. I've climbed three Yorkshire peaks. I've climbed Mount Malangi in Malawi. I've done, you know, I just, I thrive on all these challenges. That's what I'm writing about really in the book is that don't let yourself get down. I write about the adversity of, of through the menopause and the bullying and the importance of having a voice and speaking up for yourself because I didn't have that. I was a broken woman. I was, I felt suicidal at one stage when I was at work and I'm, I had a lot of anger in me about that because mm. I felt although I'm a strongish woman and I sound strong and I'm very strong now. And I, I think retirement has allowed me to become the woman that I always should have been, but I was broken down by various things in my life and I was menopausal and I wasn't strong enough to fight 
and have the, the hard conversations that I should have had with people who were, were not treating me the way that I should have been treated. I have to be careful because I don't want to, you know, libel anybody or any situation, but I know the impact it had on me both physically and mentally. So my book is to sort of say, show people I've been a single mother as well since my daughter was four mm. and a half. So I talk through the various struggles that I've had and how I've come out the other side and then why I've chosen this retirement and what and then about my adventures in the retirement is the second half of it and basically it's to hopefully inspire younger women to not allow themselves to be treated the way that I was treated when they get to 40s 50s at 60s you know in the workplace make sure there's legislation in place all those policies in place so they can challenge unacceptable behavior um, and also allow women to have a proper career progression because you can't get your state pension till you're 67. And so women, when their children have gone to university and they've gone, come out the other side of the menopause, they've still got a good 20 years nearly of a good career. They don't want to be marginalised and, and just be voiceless. So my book's to hopefully inspire the younger women to sort of address that and to not be afraid of getting old because old is a good thing. It's a privilege to age. I have a brother and sister who died at 53. My father died at 50. Again, all this I write in the book. And it's important that we age the best that we can from a young age and that the youngsters aren't dismissive of the old people because they themselves will be old one day. And then I'm trying to inspire older women who may have lost themselves in their 50s at work and bringing up children or just feel browbeaten or lost themselves, got that cotton woolly head and forgetfulness and emotion in, in the menopause, <laughs> which I know when I do talks to the Women's Institute and I say that you can just see everybody smiling oh, and nodding, nodding their head along. You, know, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say cotton woolly head and emotional and anger and forgetfulness so it's to hopefully inspire them to, to say look you know there is life after retirement and if you may be physically infirm in some way I'm not saying everybody can go running up and down hills and doing some of the crazy things I do but any adventure that you want to have how big or how small but just challenge yourself every day have a, a thought about a little challenge and something because when you achieve that challenge the feeling you get afterwards is is just lovely and so that's that's really that's what my book's about it's, it's hopefully to inspire young and old women really well it's you've certainly inspiring me um <laughs> and uh, I, it, I think it, it, it's so true isn't it you you keep adventuring and you stay young at heart you know it, I think it's easy to to get quite close-minded and into a sort of yes. a certain set routine and it doesn't take much to to just do something a little bit out of the ordinary and then you know your world opens up a little bit and then you you kind of you try something a bit more adventurous and it opens yeah. up a little bit more until we're, maybe we're not all gonna kind of go go as radical as you but it, I mean it seems like a fantastic lifestyle but Joe that I was talking about the paddleboarder the paddleboarder she didn't start paddleboarding till she was sort of in her 50s I think or late 40s or 50s and now there's hope for me yet then but oh, she's an ambassador for all sorts of of things and and for environmental things. She does beach cleaning, and she's just an amazing woman. And and it's I'm connecting with, and there's a, a woman called Rachel Peru who's fabulous, oh, and yeah. she's all about body image and women, you know, embracing who they are in middle age and having that voice and that confidence that we all seem to lose along the way. Not all, but a lot of us do. And she's a force to be reckoned with. And it's I'm I'm meeting and connecting with more and more women like this in my life. 
Um, and I was on a podcast the other day, The Two Northern Lasses, and that's an amazing podcast, to be on as well. They just talk to sort of inspiring women, and that's what I want it to be. I want us all to have a voice as we get older, not to hide away, not to be feel that we're marginalised. And more importantly, the media and advertising companies need to get on board with this. We need proper images that reflect what we're doing when we retire and how we look. I don't mm. want to be reduced to body parts of crinkly little hands and slippers and things when they talk about... Your tenor pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello, you know, out there with huge purchasing power, not just buying tenor pants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying. And that, so they need to change and also change the narratives. Stop doing anti... Well, anti-aging shampoo was the thing I saw the other day. What's that all about, for goodness sake? You just want shampoo that's going to make your hair look lovely and clean and shiny and nice. So something that enhances ageing. Creams that make you look as good as you can, make your skin feel as good as it can feel. I don't want anti-aging or to look young. You know, why are we talking about old and ageing as something that's negative? It's a positive. It's something that's great and we should all embrace it. And we shouldn't criticise wrinkles. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. I look in the mirror every day and I see another, I think, gosh, where's that one come from? But we're so conditioned, aren't we, to, to kind of to accept this thing that we've been sold over and over and over again until... But then I see images of beautiful women with, with all the wrinkles and, the, and, and I see photographs of them and I just think, you're a woman who's really lived and experienced and got wisdom and, th and I want to talk to you. That's what it makes me see. I don't see it as ugly. I see it as an inner beauty. Absolutely. Siobhan, I know you want to catch the last part of the football, so I'm going to let you go. But I feel like I could, I feel like I could talk to you for at least another hour and only just scratch the surface. I'll pop a link on the uh, on the website to to your blog for anyone that wants to follow your uh, adventures as they continue uh, and to your Instagram page. You're very active on there. Enjoy the football. So, thanks Thank so you. much for, for chatting to me. And uh, I look forward to seeing where you go next after it's your paddle boarding. lovely talking to you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed hope you can join us next time goodbye for now